This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, September 5th. I'm Jared Stepman. And I'm Kate Trinko. Today, we talk to Niall Gardner, director of the Margaret Thatcher Center at the Heritage Foundation, about what the heck is going on with Brexit and what's next for the British people. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is calling for a new election, while other politicians are fighting hard to prevent Brexit from ever occurring. Niall explains what's going on and what could happen next. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on iTunes and encourage others to subscribe. Now on to our top news. After months of protests, Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam withdrew a controversial bill that would have allowed China to extradite people to the mainland. Quote, we must find ways to address the discontent in society and look for solutions, Lam said in a video statement on Wednesday. After more than two months of social unrest, it is obvious to many that this discontentment extends far beyond the bill. The Heritage Foundation's Mike Gonzalez said on a previous episode of the Daily Signal podcast that in the 1980s, China promised to respect the rights and liberties of the people of Hong Kong. Gonzalez said, quote, This idea of extraditing people to China, where you don't have the rule of law, in Hong Kong you do have the rule of law, is obviously a violation of that promise, and the people of Hong Kong just completely reject this. Though the extradition bill was withdrawn, Lam did not address the other demands of the Hong Kong protesters. Activist Joshua Wong, who was recently arrested along with other activists and opposition politicians, said on Twitter, quote, Carrie Lam's repeated failure in understanding the situation has made this announcement completely out of touch. She needs to address all five demands. Stop prosecution, stop calling us rioters, independent inquiry of police, and free election. Lightbulb freedom is in. The Trump administration has announced it won't be implementing a new rule, first passed in the 2000s and set to go into effect soon, that would require certain light bulbs to be more energy efficient. While this won't affect the common, pear-shaped light bulbs, it will affect other kinds. An unnamed senior Department of Energy official told reporters, per The Hill, quote, This regulation gives consumers more choices and consumers are better off with more choices, end quote. It's expected that the administration will face lawsuits over this. On Tuesday, a federal court judge restored Playboy magazine reporter Brian Karam's press credentials after they were stripped by the White House last month. The judge said that maintaining First Amendment rights comes before maintaining order at the White House. Karam had his credentials suspended after he got into a confrontation with former Trump administration aide and current radio host Dr. Sebastian Gorka. During the altercation, Karam said to Gorka, Hey, come on over here and talk to me, brother, or we can go outside and have a long conversation. Gorka walked over to Karam and said, quote, You are threatening me in the Rose Garden. You are a punk. You're not a journalist. You're a punk. The White House said in a statement on Wednesday that the judicial decision would give, quote, free reign to members of the press to engage in unprofessional disruptive conduct at the White House. The shooter behind the horrific spree in Texas over the weekend that left seven dead and another 22 wounded shouldn't have had legal access to buy a gun. The Wall Street Journal reports that the shooter, quote, was barred under federal law from owning or buying firearms because a court had previously determined he was mentally unfit, according to law enforcement officials, end quote. In 2014, the shooter had, in fact, tried to buy a gun and had not been able to because of the background check. It's unclear how he obtained the gun that he used. Following a similar move by Walmart, 
On Tuesday, Kroger asked customers to stop open carrying of firearms in their grocery stores. Jessica Adelman, Group Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Kroger, said in a statement, quote, Kroger is respectfully asking that customers no longer openly carry firearms into our stores, other than authorized law enforcement officers. Adelman also said that Kroger is following Walmart in, quote, encouraging our elected leaders to pass laws that will strengthen background checks and remove weapons from those who have been found to pose a risk for violence. So San Francisco is at it again. The City by the Bay's Board of Supervisors is now formally saying the National Rifle Association is a domestic terrorist organization. Fox affiliate KTVU reports that District 2 Supervisor Catherine Stefani says, quote, The NRA exists to spread disinformation and knowingly puts weapons in the hands of those who would harm and terrorize us. Next up, we'll feature an interview with Niall Gardner, who breaks down what's going on with Brexit. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. So just as a heads up, the interview with Niall was recorded on Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, this is a fast-moving issue, and we'll continue to monitor it. So amid political turmoil over Brexit, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is calling for a new election on October 15th. Via BBC Politics, here's what Johnson said on Wednesday night. Mr Speaker, it is completely impossible for government to function if the House of Commons refuses to pass anything that the government proposes. And in my view, and the view of this government, there must now be an election on Tuesday the 15th of October, and I invite the Right Honourable Gentleman to respond, to decide which of us goes as Prime Minister to that crucial council on Thursday the 17th of October. I think it's very sad that MPs have voted like this, but if if I am still Prime Minister, I do. I think it's a great dereliction of their democratic duty, Mr Speaker. But if I'm still Prime Minister after Tuesday, the 15th of October, then we will leave on the 31st of October with, I hope, a much better deal. The Leader of the Opposition now has a question to answer. He has demanded an election for two years while blocking Brexit. He said only two days ago that he would support an election. And now, Parliament having passed a bill that destroys the ability of government to negotiate, is he now, is he now going to say that the public cannot be allowed an election to decide which of us sorts out this mess? I don't want an election. The public don't want an election. The country doesn't want an election. But this House has left no other option than letting the public decide who they want as Prime Minister, and I commend this motion to the House. So, joining us to discuss Brexit, new British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, and more is Niall Gardner, director of the Margaret Thatcher Centre at the Heritage Foundation. Niall, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Great to be here. Thank you. 
So first off, do you think there's going to be an election? What's at stake? Johnson specifically called out this meeting on October 17th. What's that meeting and why does it matter? Well, it's it's a real game of chess at the moment. Uh, and the, the prime minister has called for an early general election on October the 15th. Uh, and that is just um, actually two days before the European Council meeting on October 17th and 18th. Uh, and just two weeks ahead of the Brexit deadline, which is October the 31st. So the clock is ticking down towards Brexit. Uh, The Prime Minister has just lost a vote uh, in the House of Commons uh, on the the issue of who controls the timetable for Brexit. Uh, And uh, the Commons has voted for Parliament to seize control of that that timetable uh, in an effort to uh, block a no-deal Brexit. Uh, And the... Of course, the the aim and the goal of members of parliament who have voted against the government is to ultimately block and stop uh, Brexit altogether. And so Boris Johnson is saying that uh, in order to deliver Brexit, which is the will of the British people, 17.4 million Britons voted for Brexit uh, in June 2016, he says there has to be a general election uh, and uh, the the Conservative government, uh, according to Boris Johnson, must be uh, brought back with a uh, with a majority in order to pass legislation. Uh, and he's thrown down the gauntlet to uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, to back a general election. Uh, the Labour Party, it has to be said, are not actually um, cooperating with uh, with Boris Johnson's call, uh, and the Labour Party is not agreeing to a, a general election. Uh, before the October 31st Brexit date, not least because the Labour Party, I think, would suffer huge uh, losses in that uh, in that election. I, I expect the Conservatives would win a, an election comfortably, and certainly the opinion polls show that. Uh, but you need two-thirds of Parliament to uh, support an early general election, which is why you need the Labour Party to support Boris Johnson's call for for a general election. So a very difficult situation, a bit of a stalemate um, at, at the moment. And um, it remains to be seen exactly how this is all going to turn out. But uh, it, to summarise, I mean, this is really a battle between uh, the British government standing uh, on a platform of delivering and implementing the will of the British people with Brexit, um, pitted against uh, members of parliament who wish to derail and stop Brexit. This is what it's all about here. Uh, and and Boris Johnson, uh, I think, is the the right man at the right moment in history here, um, and he is he is now calling on the the British people to back him in a general election. And I think there should be a general election uh, held uh, on October the fifteenth to decide once and for all the issue of how Britain should move forward in implementing uh, Brexit. And uh, uh, but it has to be said, the the leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, who's a far left Marxist, is running scared because he knows. Uh, that the Labour Party is going to be heavily defeated in this election. So what's the timeline here for determining whether there is an election? Obviously, this is a very different system than the United States has. Um, You know, it seems shocking to me that you could have an election this quickly. But when would it have to be voted on to actually occur? So it would have to be voted on uh, this week uh, because um, the the government has prorogued parliament, as as it's known, or in other words, suspended Parliament for a period of nearly five weeks, starting at the beginning of next week. So there has to be a vote this week uh, on whether or not to hold a, a general election. 
uh, if if Parliament uh, votes against holding a uh, an early general election, after all the the next general election is officially supposed in twenty twenty two. This is this is why a parliamentary vote is is required here. If Parliament votes uh, against a, a general election, um, it does put the uh, the Prime Minister in a very difficult position. Then the Prime Minister has to decide whether he is going to um, basically uh, implement what Parliament has voted for, uh, or whether he is going to choose to just simply go ahead with a No Deal Brexit on October thirty first, uh, and and ignore the will of of Parliament. So. Um, it is a it is a very difficult uh, position that the prime minister is uh, is placed in, um, and uh, there is also the issue of how the House of Lords is going to vote as well, uh, because in order for this uh, bill to uh, to go through, the House of Lords uh, has to uh, also uh, vote in favour of the bill. There are ninety two conservative amendments to this legislation, in the House of Lords. And so it is not entirely clear that there will be sufficient time for this uh, this bill to pass through the House of Lords. If it does not go through the House of Lords, the uh, the legislation put forward by the House of Commons uh, will will not be um, uh, implemented. And the legislation that you're talking yeah. about here is the delay of Brexit without a deal for another three months past October 31st. So, so the the legislation that has been put forward by the uh, by the opposition party together with um, over 20 rebel conservative MPs. Uh, the legislation basically instructs the Prime Minister to seek an extension of Article 50 of the Treaty uh, on European Union, um, extending uh, the date for Britain's exit from the EU to January 31st, 2020. Uh, and the the goal of this legislation really is to, in my view, prevent Brexit from ever happening by by calling for endless delays to Britain's exit from the European Union. Uh, and so we should be absolutely clear about what is the intention of those members of Parliament who have put forward this, this legislation. It is to uh, destroy Brexit. It is to prevent Britain from leaving the European Union. Uh, and, uh, and therefore, uh, the Prime Minister has made it absolutely clear that he is not prepared Actually, to uh, to follow uh, what this le- legislation uh, stipulates, and th- that's why he's calling for a general election. Now, if he doesn't get a general election, is the prime minister on solid legal ground in Britain if he ignores Parliament and just leaves uh, the EU? Well, that that is a um, you know that that's a very good uh, question, and and I think that. Um, it's a complex constitutional uh, matter here, and uh, Boris Johnson made it uh, very, uh, very crystal clear today. He was not prepared to implement this this legislation, uh, and um, and if if indeed Parliament does not vote in favour of a general election, uh, then um, this creates an extraordinary uh, situation where the, where the Prime Minister has already made clear that he's not prepared to uh, to delay Brexit beyond October thirty first. But that's what this legislation is calling for, uh, and uh, I, I think it will be up to, up to constitutional lawyers really to uh, to um, to give the clearest, uh, I think, uh, description of what may possibly happen here. But uh, but I have to say that this this uh, legislation pits Parliament against the will of the British people. The British people voted to leave the European Union. Parliament is blocking that at the moment. So this is an historic moment. Uh, 
quite possibly a constitutional crisis for Great Britain. Um, and only time will tell to see how this is resolved. So this is not the first time that it's been proposed for Brexit to be delayed, or in fact, the first delay, correct? Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's correct. And so um, <clears throat> Theresa May was not able to get um, her EU withdrawal agreement through, through Parliament. Uh, and Britain then was compelled to uh, delay at the start date for Brexit uh, and, and to seek an extension. And why have these negotiations between the EU and Britain over the Brexit deal, why have they been so fraught? Why have they not been able to come up with a deal that's acceptable to both? And basically, in essence, it's because the, the European Union has treated the, the Brexit negotiations as a kind of, uh, as, as a kind of uh, punishment beating for Britain. And so the EU has made all kinds of unreasonable demands, which have not been acceptable uh, to um, especially many conservative members of parliament who voted against the EU withdrawal agreement. And in my, in my view, the EU has not uh, approached the negotiations in good faith at all. Ba- basically, the EU fears what, what Brexit means for the future of the European project and the future of the European Union, which is why they have handled these negotiations such a, um, an unpleasant uh, fashion. Uh, they fear that Brexit will uh, potentially lead to the breakup of the European Union. Um, they fear that if Brexit is a success, that others will follow Britain's example, and therefore they are trying to punish Britain in terms of the negotiations. Uh, and that's why the EU withdrawal uh, agreement, as Theresa May negotiated, it was was defeated three times in the in the House of Commons, um, not least uh, with with a significant number of Conservative MPs voting against it. And so Boris Johnson has has called for a new agreement to be negotiated with the EU, uh, whereby the EU makes significant concessions. Uh, and um, I have to say that although Britain is, is negotiating in, in good faith, the EU is not. Uh, and uh, we are very much heading, I think, um, towards a no-deal Brexit uh, in terms of uh, eventually leaving the, the European uh, Union. Uh, and... Um, and so anti-Brexit MPs are, are, are well aware of this and, uh, and they fear that um, uh, if, if Boris Johnson is able to proceed, that, that he will take Britain permanently out of, the, out of the European Union. So they are trying desperately to try and stop that by delaying the process. And if there yeah. is a no-deal Brexit, what does that actually mean? And is it, as some pundits have suggested, the end of the world in Britain basically goes back to the Dark Ages? Yeah, so no-deal Brexit simply means that Britain negotiates... Um, or trades with the rest of the world under World Trade Organization terms. Uh, so um, the United States um, deals with much of the world under World Trade Organization terms. It has some specific trade agreements with some countries. Um, but uh, the, you know, the United States um, actually trades with, with the European Union under World Trade Organization terms at the moment. There isn't a, a, a US-EU trade deal in place. Um, they have been working on one for many years. It hasn't has never seen the light of day. Um, and, and so Britain is the world's fifth largest economy. It's been a great trading nation for hundreds of years. Uh, it, uh, it has the strongest big economy in Europe. The German economy is, is uh, in, in very difficult conditions. The British economy is doing a lot better. Britain will overtake Germany probably by 2030 as the largest economy in Europe. Um, Britain's population is rising. Germany's is falling. Uh, the UK is going to do just fine, um, and already um, there are uh, advanced preparations, not just in Britain, but all over Europe for a no-deal Brexit. The Germans are preparing for it. 
the Germans sell uh, 15% of their cars to the UK. Um, large numbers of German workers will lose their jobs uh, if a trade does not continue freely between the UK and Germany. So I think that um, what will happen is that uh, Britain and the EU will negotiate a series of mini uh, deals to cover all sectors of, of economic uh, activity. Uh, and eventually they will come to a broader trade uh, agreement. And so a no-deal Brexit uh, doesn't mean the end of the world, as, as uh, its critics uh, allege. Uh, it simply means that um, Britain exits the European Union without a formal agreement with, with the EU. Britain is already talking to over 100 countries in the world about implementing free trade deals, including with the United States. Uh, and, and those deals will be put into place within the next couple of, couple of years. And I'm sure eventually there will be a, a good deal with the EU as well. Uh, but I think sanity will prevail in, in Europe and, and uh, a pragmatic approach will be implemented by European governments to ensure that trade continues uh, freely post-Brexit. Post it's in the interest of both sides to have that happen. Um, and, um, and I think Britain will do just, just fine. You know? And uh, Britain did just fine before it was a member of the, uh, what was originally the European Economic Community and later the European Union. Um, and, and I think Britain will do just fine outside of the EU today. Uh, so uh, I'm very optimistic about uh, the economic prospects. Foreign investment continues to pour into the UK. A lot of big US companies are investing very heavily in Britain. A million um, American jobs uh, depend on British com companies and vice versa. Uh, and there's going to be a, a very big US-UK trade deal in place uh, in the Brexit era. So on Wednesday, President Trump talked about Boris Johnson. Via BBC Politics, here's what the president had to say. Well, Boris is a friend of mine, and he's, uh, he's, he's going at it. There's no question about it. He's in there. I watched him this morning. He's, uh, he's in there fighting. And uh, he knows how to win. Boris knows how to win. Don't worry about him. He's going to be okay. So to backtrack a little bit, um, of course, you know, as you mentioned, Boris Johnson is a relatively new prime minister, uh, succeeded Theresa May. He's often compared to Trump, who seems yeah. to think rather highly of him. Yes. What should people know about Boris Johnson and what kind of leader is he? Well, Boris Johnson is, is a very charismatic figure. Um, I think he's, he's someone who um, is 100% dedicated to delivering uh, Brexit. Uh, he is um, he's a very clever individual. And I've met Boris Johnson on many occasions. I've hosted him here at, at the Heritage Foundation in the past. Um, he is uh, actually a, a very brilliant politician. Uh, and uh, he comes from a very, very um, highly educated background. Uh, and uh, he's someone who uh, I, I think has the, the right leadership skills to lead Britain in the Brexit era. Um, he is a conservative conviction uh, politician. He's a big admirer of Winston Churchill and Margaret Thatcher. Uh, he's totally different to Theresa May, who was uh, an exceedingly dull figure who uh, who really had very little in the way of any kind of political ideology. Uh, Boris Johnson is different. He is a you know a true conservative, and he's also struck a very struck up a very good relationship with with President Trump. And uh, it's very good to see President Trump supporting uh, Boris Johnson. That's a reflection of the strength of the special relationship. Uh, and and I think that um, you know Trump's instincts are right here. The Boris Johnson is going to is going to do well. Uh, I think that Johnson will um, will win the general election comfortably, uh, and I think he's going to deliver Brexit. And so uh, I, I wish that members of Parliament would have the same faith in in uh, in Britain that that President Trump has actually. And and Trump has demonstrated a very high degree of faith in Brexit. 
Uh, he is the biggest supporter of Brexit on the world stage. And, um, uh, you know, I think he's sending exactly the right, the right message of support for, um, for, for Britain at this time. So it's been over three years now since the British people voted for Brexit. What's, you know, as you mentioned, there are obviously forces in Parliament who are trying to make sure it never happens. Um, what's at stake here? I mean, is it economic things like having to bail out other countries? Is it sovereignty and not having the EU tell them what to do? Like, what does Britain face if they end up staying in the EU? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, why why um, did the British people vote for Brexit? Why do uh, so many Britons still continue to support uh, Brexit? And the level of support for Brexit hasn't fallen, I don't think, at all. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that um, the most important reason, and polling has demonstrated this, um, uh, in terms of the reason why, or the reasons why uh, British voters supported Brexit, the, the top reason is the um, the desire to retake control of Britain's sovereignty and self-determination, to be a free country again. About two-thirds of British laws decided in Brussels. Uh, and British courts are subject to the rulings of European courts. Britain has no control over its trade. It d- doesn't control its own borders. Uh, the European Union really dictates a great deal of British everyday life. Uh, and that is uh, completely unacceptable. Uh, and it is time for the British people to, th- to throw those shackles off and to be a truly free country again. No member of the European Union is a truly free nation. And that, that's a price that countries pay for being a member of the EU. It's just surrendering sovereignty. Um, and so the debate in Britain over sovereignty is, is similar to debates that are taking place all over Europe, actually. You can see it in every European country. And there's a growing backlash against the centralization of power in the, in the EU. You see that especially in countries like Italy, for example. Uh, Poland is a very good example of this. Uh, and um, all, o- all over Europe, uh, you are seeing a growing rejection of, of the centralization of power. When, when the... EU started out um, in the form originally of the uh, European Coal and Steel Community, later the European Economic Community. It started off really as an economic bloc. It developed later into a political one. And when Britain joined the EU, they, the British voters did not vote to join a supranational EU superstate. They voted to, to join what they thought was a sort of uh, you know, free trading area or customs, uh, you know, customs union that morphed into, into a supranational monstrosity now has 28 countries, uh, and uh, no nation in the EU has complete sovereignty. And so that, that is at the heart of Britain's, uh, the British people's desire to leave. Secondly, of course, I think is the, is the desire uh, really to uh, control immigration, decide who comes into the country is a very big, big part of that. That ties into the sovereignty uh, issue. Uh, I think also uh, there's an issue of um, the cost of the European Union. Britain is a is a net contributor to the EU, uh, and the UK pi- pays far more into the EU than it gets out of out of the EU. And so Britain has to subsidise um, southern European countries, eastern European countries, uh, in, to the tune of tens of billions of pounds a year, uh, and that isn't isn't popular with a lot of British voters. And so th- those are you know some of the some of the main reasons. But I think at the very heart, this is a a debate about um, uh, sovereignty and self-determination, something that all Americans can relate to. Uh, it, this is about freedom. Uh, this is what Brexit is all, all about. It's about the right of a nation state to decide its own future, the right of the British people to have their own laws, control their own borders, uh, decide um, you know, who, who actually has, has control of Britain's courts. Uh, and, and these are fundamental freedoms that 
um, you know, people have fought and died for for you know thousands of years, uh, and, uh, and and the British people have decided, you know, that they want to retake that freedom, and that's what Brexit is all about at the end of the day. All right, Niall, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast, brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, and please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes to give us feedback. We'll see you again tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Lauren Evans and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.